Blog Talk Radio. Mm-hmm. Hello and welcome to the BurstNet.com, PredictiveForum.com weekend podcast. Calm Before the Storm edition, Belmont Stakes next week. We'll touch on that race with Danny Zucker, a predictive form. But we've got a couple interesting mile races on the grass to get to $500,000 Penn Mile for three-year-olds. Got a filly taking on the boys there. And the Shoemaker Mile, the lone grade, or excuse me, the lone grade one on turf this weekend. There's also the Vanity featuring the holder. Uh, but the Shoemaker Mile grade one on turf uh, has a shipper from the East Coast uh, that I'm sure we'll touch on when you're in race for the Breeders' Cup Mile, which is at Santa Anita this year. So an interesting wrinkle to that race. But uh, two good races to discuss. I like one favorite uh, in one, not so much in the other. And I have a feeling Danny Zucker might feel the same. We'll get to him shortly, waiting on him to join the call. Uh, I did tease the Belmont Stakes. Uh, that is next week, Blockbuster card at Belmont Park on June 11th, $7.5 million in stakes, including the million and a half Belmont stakes itself. Exaggerator going for three-year-old supremacy. If he wins, he is the leader of the three-year-old division and unquestionably in the driver's seat for the three-year-old male championship, something that would no doubt mean a lot to Windstar Farm which plans to stand the son of Curlin upon his retirement. Nyquist, however, is back on track. He trained at Pimlico on Thursday and Friday this week, June 2nd and June 3rd. He is shipping back to California. We will see him later in the year if he continues to progress. Those two definitely have an interesting rivalry brewing. No rivalry here, though, with Danny Zucker, who is now on the line to talk some turf races. Danny, how are you? Ed, what's going on? Uh, not too much. Uh, somewhat a calm before the storm with uh, Belmont Stakes next week. A lot of big racing awaits in New York, but we do have some interesting races this week. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I really like these, you know, because I've had a bunch of horses run in this sort of class of uh, graded stakes, fillies and mares, three and four years old at a mile or a mile and a sixteenth. They're great races, especially at a mile. They're really competitive. I've always believed that horses that can run a mile, that are successful at a mile, that is a distance. I mean, if you're a miler, you're a miler, and, you, you know, you may may not excel at shorter distances or even a sixteenth longer. So in these kinds of races, I really look for horses that have performed in very similar conditions. And, you know, if we go back to last week, and I was just thinking about our discussion regarding, um, what was the race in Arlington we talked about, the Matron? Uh, yeah, the Philly Mare race. Yeah, yeah, that was we, a mile and eighth. Yeah, but we I, I mentioned, you know, after I went back and looked at it and, and then I didn't realize that Arlington was poly, or, you know, synthetic and I went back and caught the rail horse who had had a couple good numbers and wound up winning and paying five to one. You know, it's the same sort of theory that we'll use as we discuss this race, trying to find runners who have excelled at a mile on turf and are coming back to that distance for the first time in a couple of races. And that's where you're going to get mm. value. You know, it's not going to be a purely speed perspective like it would be from a rag where you just look at who ran the fastest and you come back and you press on that number, but trying to find somebody returning to the track or turning back or stretching out to a number that they've already ran before. Yeah, it makes sense. And uh, the, the mile, is, as you noted, definitely sort of a, a specialized distance and uh, breeders uh, prefer – 
I don't want to, I shouldn't blanket it prefer milers, but they're sort of the same milers make the best tires and the Met mile has been a very productive race. And we've seen the, uh, the, the turf milers uh, like Goldakova and Miask, et cetera, be very valued uh, for their uh, motherhood uh, down the road. And, and really I appreciate it because it, it definitely takes brilliance to be a good miler because you have to carry your speed, uh, but there's stamina involved as well. So I'm, I'm right there with you for sure. And uh, we'll start with the three-year-olds. We'll get a, a look at the, the younger group. Uh, we have a Breeders' mm-hmm. Cup uh, winner in here with Catch a Glimpse. I'm talking about the $500,000 Penn Mile, uh, the filly taking on males, including her stable mate, Aero Force. Uh, the Spiral winner shows up here, Oscar-nominated, coming off uh, his derby dud, which uh, you know no one expected him to win that. Uh, and Beach Patrol, who narrowly missed to his stablemate in the American turf. And the third place horse, Surgical Strike, came back and won last week. We talked about him in the Arlington Classic. So a lot of angles in the Penn Mile. Uh, catch a glimpse, I think, is where you start because she's a Breeders' Cup winner and will be the favorite. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll let, leave that as the jumping off point of where you go next. But uh, what do you make of the field and her as the favorite? Well, I mean, she's, other, other than our first race, you know, in Saratoga um, as a two-year-old where it was an off-track and probably one of those days where it poured and changed conditions and they just didn't feel like taking the taking the horse off the, uh, you know, scratching the horse to just get a, a race in her. She's done nothing wrong. She's five out of five or what is it, six out of six. But, you know, so this is the part, this is the part that I, I really like because I basically just, you know, an idiot repeating back and reading the racing form. Um, and I don't want to be a pundit. I think anybody can look at the racing forum that might be listening to the podcast with some sense of background in racing, and you can read what the uh, bullet points are. You notice this is a broad sweeping shot in general at pundits. I'm not going to refer to the racing form. I'm going to look at the figures because that is what we bank on, right, Ed? Um, Absolutely. When you look when you look at catch a glimpse, uh, three races back since that October uh, Breeders' Cup win at Keeneland, 73.5, and 74.5. You can see a consistent line steadily improving um, and comes into the race pretty sharp. Lifetime top was it was her last race. I mean, she ran 74.4. That was her lifetime top, but it wasn't her lifetime top um, by a lot. So, and on, on turf... You know, on turf, there's no pattern for this, but on dirt, this figure would have been a new pay stop. If you look at it, it's her fastest four, fastest four furlong figure lifetime and her fastest uh, lifetime final, but within a point. So it's not a double top per se. It's a new pay stop. In any case, Catch My Glimpse looks to be in formful shape. And, uh, you know, within a vacuum, that's a that's a really good sign. You know, it's tough again for us to back a big favorite, um, but she certainly is in, in good shape, and there's no reason to expect she's going to, re- you know, reverse too big off that 74 and a half. Yeah, and, and you know, with her the Breeders' Cup uh, hanging over her head, not that that's bad, so it's more hedge of honor, but the Philly angle, Mark Cassie, these are all things that take money. Right. So that makes me nervous because I do see her as the most likely winner, but it's like, well, how low will she go? Because, you know, all the marks are there that people would – would bet with her. So I do wonder how much lower right. than two to one uh, she'll be. I will say this, if you're listening on Friday afternoon, 
the horse that actually beat her to the lead in that race at Churchill is running today at Churchill, Friday, June 3rd, in the uh, ninth race. And uh, she beat Catch a Glimpse to the lead and ended up fading to 10th. And Catch a Glimpse, of course, blew the doors off the rest of the field. Uh, normally, you wouldn't think of a horse finished 10th as an indicator or a key race. But if she were to win today, gate to wire uh, against the allowance company, that would be another feather in Catch a Glimpse's yep. cap, so to speak. So look out for that. I did want to ask yep. you about the stable mate Aero Force. You know, you mentioned we look yep. beyond the form. We look at the figures. One thing the figures also do is help identify patterns. And to me, Aero Force just looks the type of horse who is is either going the wrong way or has already gone the wrong way. And to me, it's tough to back a turnaround at a shortish price. Uh, Any clues that say maybe he is turning it around or is is he just um, not not up to these standards? Yeah, I, I would agree with with the former statement of not up to these standards. Um, and, and you can see it by looking at the pace figures. You're really looking at two different horses in 2015 and 2016. So in 15, you know, her last final, his last final figure was 75. You know, a slow new pace top, then a race at Turfway. Now, the figure at Churchill was quite good. It was a 76. Um, but, of course, that was the weekend of the uh, of the Derby, and we know the fa- the track was fast. But there's nothing really too, um, too exciting about the race, and I can tell you Julian Lepreau just decides not to stay in town and ride this race, but rather ships to, you know, is going to ride in California for the same amount of money or for less money, right? So uh, Julian's riding in California. We'll talk about the, the Shoemaker Mile, but he's chosen to ride a filly in California for 400000 versus stay local to ride this horse for 500000 That's a, an, another sign that uh, I think Aeroforce is a play against. Yeah, I, I agree, and uh, glad you mentioned Julian. We'll certainly get to him uh, when we go right. west for the Shoemaker. Uh, mm-hmm. What about, uh, so Aeroforce was in that race with Surgical Strike, Beach Patrol finished second, so ahead of them both. Uh, he shows up here. Uh, the winner yeah. of that race, uh, goes to the Pennine Ridge, which is at Belmont. So Chad Brown splits him up this time. Uh, is Beach Patrol getting good? Where do you see him fitting with this group? Mm-hmm. Well, a, a Beach Patrol fits into that a modality, which we talked about a few weeks ago, going to Chad, you know, leaves Phil D'Amato's barn and goes to Chad. This is the kind of horse that Chad excels at, which is grass milers, grass horses. And um, if you go and look at Beach Patrol's one race at he's got two races at eight furlongs a 68 and a 70 his most recent races were 77 and 78 so really high numbers but on tracks that probably performed a little higher on those days he's a a tough horse again a little bit of an unknown for me here uh i i could likely see him winning but if he winds up regressing back to some of those former numbers that wouldn't be surprising either. I think his price is low enough here that um, he might be a pass or a watch. And I would say the same thing with Catch a Glimpse, and I would say the same thing with Aeroforce. That, you know, you have these three inside horses lumped together. They're all pretty short odds. Any one of them, uh, you know, Aeroforce could step forward. Beach Aeroforce is not going to, Aeroforce is going to regress off that 76. No question about it. So I think Aeroforce is out. I think Beach Patrol is going to regress off the 78 and 77, but it still might be fast enough to win here, though the two races Beach Patrol has run at eight furlongs have both been 70. So eight furlongs might not be an ideal distance for Beach Beach Patrol. 
Same thing with Catch My Glimpse. His two numbers, you know, he hasn't he hasn't run past seventy two and a half at eight furlongs. So um, none of the three that we talked about would be our top pick in here. Yeah, uh, well, that I don't know where it brings you, but that brings me uh, to Oscar-nominated, uh, the Spiral winner, uh, defeated uh-huh. Surgical Strike, who we all know I'm a fan of. Uh, but it seems like yeah. that form is Since you've already mentioned Surgical Strike, you've already mentioned Surgical <laughs> Strike five times. So yes, we're. I'm a fan. Uh, but uh, went to the Kentucky Derby, uh, performed about as well as right. I think anyone who is capable of handicapping a race thought he would uh, right. land here, which uh, seems a much more logical spot than three-year-olds right. on the dirt. Uh, but to me, uh, that spiral form and getting this one as the fourth choice at you know four or five to one, maybe even higher, uh, sits pretty good with me. Uh, is, is he the alternative to the top three, or do you even have another horse? Well, so Oscar-nominated ran a 73 reversal pattern, so the first time, again, but it's only race, first race on dirt, so that reversal doesn't surprise me because turf horses run reversals every race. So to run a reversal on dirt first out is not surprising. Okay, In the Kentucky Derby, the track was fast, so the fact that he ran a new pace top was not surprising either. So I think those two patterns are a little misguided in a sense that he's a turf horse that's really run twice on dirt and, um, or, you know, once on dirt. Reverting back to the patterns and the races before, these seven-and-a-half furlong races at fairgrounds are traditionally fast numbers because there's not a lot of races at fairgrounds. So you establish a baseline of higher than you would in a, in a race where there's many, many races. So I think, you know, the, the seven-and-a-half furlong races don't show me very much. So I, I go back to the 73 that he ran at Churchill at eight furlongs and say, okay, that's kind of a number I could see Oscar-nominated pointing to. It was a 73. Now I'm going to work back and take a look at the couple other horses that I think could run 73. But within Catch a Glimpse, Beach Patrol, and um, Oscar-nominated, I think these horses are all going to run 73s and 74s. I would say this is there's going to be three a three horse blanket finish, um, but I'm not opposed to looking even deeper than those those four. All right, well let's let's hear it because uh, I'm out of contenders uh, personally, so um, eager to uh-huh. to hear who you got. Well, let's take a look at the two outside runners, and we'll start with Giant Run. The two figures that Giant Run ran, a 78 at Gulfstream and an 80 at Gulfstream at 8.5 furlongs, are both very fast figures. We need, we know Gulfstream is a fast track, especially on the turf, first fast turf track. So if you look back, all of his numbers are pretty fast at this distance. You can revert back to October 2015, 8 furlong uh, uh, grass race, where he ran 73.774. It's a fast number. You know That kind of a number in here is fast enough to win. And albeit that was his first race on grass, uh, he's got you know three or four performances, all pretty good. He goes to Joe Bravo, who's had decent success with Giant Run. Um, his you know his four furlong figure, so Aero Force, Oscar nominated, and Giant Run all ran 76s final four furlong figures last out, but Giant Run's average for a furlong figure is faster than all these. I think he's your most likely pace setter, actually, over Catch a Glimpse. Uh, and, you know, because of that and because it's an eight furlong race, I think he's got a shot. You know, he's not a toss by mm. any means. 
Well, and no, I mean, at that price, uh, anytime you say got a shot, uh, certainly not, not a toss. And, and the, the, yep. the four we talked about with the names they have and associated with them are certainly going to take the money. So there's, there's no fear that things right. would gravitate in that direction. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. do you have a, a price in mind, though, that is where you need to be? Uh, I was thinking more like eight to one. I, I think I was mm. thinking six is a little bit short. I, I just can't, the, the way this race stacks up, and based on the way the odds maker made the board, somebody's going to be longer than Morning Line. I mean, there's Have too to many. Be. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what percentage she used above the Morning Line to make this, but it, it's too thin. I mean, you know, the ones the ones going to be fifty to one, but there's going to be no money on the one, so you don't really count the money as pulling money away. I just don't see how you're right. going to have a two to one shot, a three to one shot, a nine to two shot, a five to one shot, six to one shot, an eight to one shot oh, spread out over six horses. It's not possible. Not yeah, even, I, I would mean, say. Uh, well, and especially since catch a glimpse, I would say it'll be even lower than two. So. Yeah, yeah. So my my point is, and I think you're agreeing with me. Correct me if I'm wrong, but a couple of these will be overlays, be inflated bigger than their morning line odds. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And looking outside, yeah, and, and I would uh, say uh, Giant Run is 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 the, yeah. the likely candidate. Right. And again, you know, we talk about horses that are running at eight furlongs and performing at this distance. Eight furlong horses are eight furlong horses. Great example is Unbridled Daddy. His best race lifetime was at eight furlongs when he ran seventy six. The rest of the races, I don't want to say are clunkers per se, but he barely cracked seventy. Now he turns back to the the distance that he's already run. He's got his best race lifetime. You know, that's what we look for with the patterns, and that's what predictive form does is it calls out similar kinds of races. And there's nothing on his PPs that would tell you. It would be tough to look at his PPs and say, oh, he's got a shot. Um, but looking at his figures, I know he ran a 76, his best lifetime effort by three points. It was at this distance. If he runs back to something similar to that, he'll be competitive as well. So, we would land on Giant Run and Unbridled Daddy, probably Giant Run first. Um, that was where I would land. The value plays would put you on Giant Run and Aero Force. Hmm. All right. Not Oscar nominated? Well, um, Oscar, oh, I'm sorry. I, I looked at my, my bad. I sort of right. Oscar nominated is the top contender with us because of that new pace top. Right. Um, and then Giant Run, I apologize for that, but um, I'm personally discounting those two, that reversal and new pay stop because they were just too rich. He had to right. do those, right? They, they yeah, I just to wanted done. to make sure we weren't, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Arrow Force, definitely further right. down the list. So, so, sorry, yeah, I was sorting by the wrong way. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah, uh, yeah, and to me in that situation, um you know, you're dealing with the horse who's going to be of, of the contenders, the longest price. Uh, so that's an opportunity where I look at the straight pools just on his nose. And then, you know, if he's second to catch a glimpse, uh, maybe you, you catch something there as well. So, so uh, I would, I would say, run for Danny, Oscar nominated for me. Yep. And I would, you know, for me underneath Oscar nominated and the unbridled daddy. All right. And, good prices you know, for sure. Is there a, a speed bias on the insider? Is there a bias at all at a mile on the turf at Not, Penn National? I don't know, and they just uh, started running on turf this meet, so uh, there's very few uh, yeah. races so far this year to go on. 
I just hope they cut um, the grass. You know, I, I would say in the, the lower levels that you would, I don't want to say speed bias, but I'm sure speed plays well just because those types of horses you get on the lead and they don't get passed. Um, right. So that might skew the numbers as well. But, I mean, the, the few times I've watched the, the stakes from there, I've never thought it was unfair. So um, uh-huh. I wouldn't worry too much about that. Uh, well, shall we head west uh, to the Shoemaker? It used to be a, a feature on Memorial Day at Hollywood Park. Uh, yeah, that yeah. no longer, and seemingly stakes races on Memorial Day no longer either uh, in the game, but this one lands at Santa Anita. Win and you're in, Breeders' Cup Mile at Santa Anita as well in November, just five months away. And I thought uh, excellent spotting by trainer Brian Lynch here. Uh, finds a grade one for Heart to Heart, who performed very well. This winter at Gulfstream, uh, the waters, uh, when when they have gotten deeper for him, uh, haven't always worked out. But this looks like a, a perfect spot uh, for his running style, or at least the, the right spot, given who entered. And as you noted to me, Julian, sticking with this one, uh, huge vote of confidence. And even though he's the chalk, he's, he's definitely the, the top pick for me. Uh, but because he is a, a gate-to-wire type, uh, pace certainly a, a big factor for him. How's it stack up for you? Well, you know, looking at the last four furlong figure, um, Midnight Storm ran 78, and uh, he ran 77. Those two horses, four furlong figures, are three and a half points, four points faster than the rest of the field, okay? And... Um, the average four furlong figure lifetime puts uh, Cape Wolf and Midnight Storm in the first two positions, while Heart to Heart uh, is third fastest lifetime, which is interesting because if you look at his PPs, it wouldn't tell you that, right? Your Definitely PPs not. Wouldn't, wouldn't tell you that Cape uh, Wolf um, has the fastest four furlong figure average. So, um, this is a a race where I want to, let's spend a little bit of time talking about the eight furlong figures for a bunch of these, and then we'll talk a bit about pace. Heart to heart, last two races were 82 and a 79. Those were two lifetime tops, two big numbers. You know, going back, his eight furlong figures on the turf have all been, you know, he's run 84 and a 75 pace low and a 77 dating back to 2015 and 81 dating back to the summer of 2014. This horse is clearly very fast. Julian Leperu stays on board, decides not to run for half a million dollars in his backyard, you know, by flying up to Penn National, but he's going to, he's going to fly cross country and compete for less purse money. So it tells you that he wants that mount for the Breeders' Cup, and there's something behind that move. That's a that's like a really big vote of confidence behind the horse. Um, but you know, Julian at, at Santa Anita is no gimme either. Ed, I mean, that's not his home track. We know he is a he is a rider where he excels at certain tracks, but he also has proven he's not the same rider when you get him outside of Kentucky. So, uh, I, you know, I'm going to balance his his move out there with his skill set out there too. Uh, <laughs> Uh, he he did used to ride out there though. He met his his wife, uh, Shay Mitchell, now Shay Le- Le- Leperu. Uh, uh-huh. But he left, 
So he wasn't. Uh, oh, hold on a second. Let me make a note in my, Let me make. Let me make a note that he met his wife out there as as a as a key angle here. So uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that might be why you figured out it's a trip to see the in-laws, though, too. That that might be well, why. Well, you there you go. Now we're any confidence. <laughs> so yeah, who knows with these you know these guys? But uh, right. no, I, I agree. It's, it's a confidence thing, and and it's a good point though about the the PPs. I mean, he's been on the lead. That's where he likes to go. But others have shown an affinity to, to go faster. Yeah. And if, if you do think that, you know, this isn't his best circuit or track, then, mm-hmm. you know, maybe the, the internal clock, uh, you know, cost him some time early. Uh, he did win the, the Breeders' Cup mm-hmm. Billion Mare Turf with Forever Together at Santa Anita. Right. So some big wins there. But uh, mm-hmm. as you noted, big difference between 11 furlongs and 8. So uh, that's well, certainly I mean, let's in look play. At Cape, look at Cape Wolf. Look at Cape Wolf. Okay, and when you talk about figures, now this is this is what I love about the figures. Forget the PPs. The PPs tell you that he breaks slow. He kind of uh, what what does he do? Like kind of settles and maybe closes a little bit. That's six furlongs, correct? Yeah. Would you agree with that statement? Well. Yeah, I mean that's a fact. That's what they tell. <laughs> that is what the, literally what they tell you. Okay, so I'm going to tell you what the, the pace figures say. The pace figures say he his last all four of his four all four of his races the four furlong figures have been seventy four and a half, seventy eight, seventy four and a half, and eighty. Those are his four furlong figures in four races. So when he's going that fast, you know I can make an excuse for January. 2016, when the six and a half furlong turf race went 20.4 and 42.4, which I can't even imagine is right, but let's say that's right. So I can excuse that 80 as like a suck along 80, but even the, even so, the other races like these miles are not super. The mile wasn't super fast. I mean, it was 22.45, which you could expect. He was four lengths off, but he did go 74 to four furlongs. The six and a half races are fast, but they're not like. I mean, they're what you would expect at six furlongs. He went 75 and 78, whereas heart-to-heart, his last out at four furlongs was 77. But before that, he hadn't, you know, he hadn't broken 60 at a four furlong figure uh, since the middle of June of 2015. So, and then you were to look at the six furlong figures, because we do give six furlong figures for milers. His fastest six furlong figure was 72 and a half. Whereas if you look at Cape Wolf, his fastest six furlong figure was 76. He also ran 72 and 74. So of four lifetime starts, three of them were competitive with heart-to-heart's fastest six furlong figure lifetime. My point is that heart-to-heart might, while the PPs tell me he's going to get an easy lead, the pace figures tell you something different. That it won't be easy. Will, will he even be on the lead is the question. Well then, let's take a look outside one more, and look at Midnight Midnight Storm. And if you look at Midnight Storm's four furlong figure, if you look at his eight eight figure, his eight furlong races on March twelfth, he ran seventy four. Again, seventy four is a point faster than Heart to Heart's ever run at four furlongs. Uh, if you go back to June of two thousand and fifteen, he ran seventy four for eight furlongs. 
April of 2015, he ran 76 for two furlongs. He ran a delayed pace top 81 in August of 2015. His last race of August of, of October of 2015 was 85 at six and a half furlongs. And his most recent out at uh, Churchill was a 78 for 10 for, for nine furlongs. So he's faster in a pace fig from from a four furlong perspective than I think the one is. And then the next question is, if heart-to-heart doesn't get the lead, can he win? Uh, what, what do you think? No. I think it's probably, yeah, I would agree. Again, looking at history, <laughs> his wins have all been on the front end. And his wins yeah. have all been at 23 and 48. Hmm. Well, it's not too often uh, you talk me off horses, but certainly is is the favorite. There's a lot of things conspiring against his best chance. Right, right. Well, all I'm pointing out to pointing out by looking at the figures is there is going to be more of a contested pace than the PPs tell you there's going to be. Right. Yeah. So where does that leave us uh, when the when the running starts late? Well, um, you know, looking at so I'm going off the value. I'm, look at the value plays. They we have heart to heart tourist as one two nine to five and five to two. Um, right. But but what I did, you know, I spent a little bit. Yeah, I used personal opinion here. Not a, that's this is not objective. This is my personal opinion. And this is diving deeper, deep into the numbers. Um, if there is a contested pace, which the figures could point towards, it would set the race up for somebody that uh, would be stalking. And there's not a lot of horses left. <laughs> there's not a lot of horses to pick from. So we've just eliminated three, or, or looked at three. It's probably going to come from one of the other, the three that would be stalking. And um, Home Run Kitten ran a new pace top last out. Uh, that was on dirt. Um, but looking at, you know, that's like, again, a new pace top. Yeah, so that was its lifetime top on, his, a new pace top on um, on dirt, and now he comes back to turf. It's not an immediate toss in this case. That um, with, with Taurus, Taurus has got a 78 in 2016 at eight furlongs. And he's, you know, what I like about Taurus is look at all the eight furlong races he's run. And he ran 76 at Santa Anita in 2014. People are like, why are you going back so far? I'm going back so far because it was only five races ago. You know, that's the thing with Taurus is he's lightly raced. So you have to consider even, you know, he's running the Breeders' Cup a couple times. Um, it's it's a crapshoot in my mind who's going to pick up, who's going to be there coming, you know, as a, as the option, um, and I guess I would probably side with the two. Person, this is my personal opinion. Not again, I'm not reading into the figures, but the two could get an ideal trip and stay on the rail, you know, still be fifth or sixth, and have not used any energy and suck along well enough to be competitive at the top of the stretch. But in any case, and I don't really. Basically, what I'm telling you is I don't know where to turn. 
the key information I have for you in this race is be cautious that it could be more of a contested pace than the PPs tell you, and that heart-to-heart is not a lock. All right. No, that, uh, you know, as you said, uh, you know, we definitely like to look beyond the PPs. It's the power of the number. Uh, and when you see a type that likes the lead uh, and might not get it here, and then you go back to those PPs and see what happens when he doesn't, uh, that's where you, you connect some serious dots at a short price. And uh, right. in this case, the dots are forming an X. Uh, you know, nine to five, I wouldn't think is terrible, but I'm sure he'll be less. It's a short field. Uh, could see three to two or, or on down, depending on, you know, how they're betting that day and the tracks playing, et cetera. So, and, and uh, if you look at the PP, yeah, the horse then, makes a lot of sense. They're, they're a believer in that horse, and he's shipping too. So, you know, Bill Mott's looking for a grade one as well. And if you look at the PPs and he broke through the gate, you know, I don't, I'd don't. i like to go back and watch that, but a general handicapper says, oh, wow, he lost by a length. Uh, he was three to one. He broke through the gate. Imagine if he didn't break through the gate how much he he won by, but that breaking through the gate and, and we should look at that could be pure anxiety, you, you know. So again, this is a this is a horse. If, if a horse breaks through the gate, you're going to want to watch that horse in the post parade. You're going to want to watch that horse coming to the track, right? And especially at ninety five in ninety five degree weather, where a horse might not be used to it, the horse is washed out or you know has sweat certain places. A lot of reasons to get away from heart to heart, and very few reasons to get on it. Yeah, at a short price, uh, you usually don't need a, a lot of reasons anyway. Uh, I, I am definitely intrigued by the jockey shipping, but uh, you've given me food for thought. And uh, look, the the race is right before Beholder runs at 1-5 to five in the vanity. So, uh, you know, the heart-to-heart Beholder double is probably going to pay $3 for a buck. So maybe there's some value to be had there if you're able to beat heart-to-heart uh, and you can't see beaten Beholder. So, uh, I like Beholder it. a lock? Uh, you tell me. I, I wanted to, to beat her, uh, but, you know, the, this group, uh, you know, she'll be 1-5 one to, one to five or 1-10, to ten, so I'm not going to say by any means she's a win, a win bet, but, I mean, she's uh-huh. she's a, a special animal, and it, it's hard yep. to see how these run with her at a mile. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I talked to some others and said if, you know, I read Andy Harrington's workout report – and Stellar wins Breathing Fire, uh, and he says she's ready to roll. I might look at the champ at, you know, 3-1 to one when the holder's 1-10, to 10, but, but otherwise it's, you know, the type where you just watch and hope you see something special and onto the Pacific Classic with her. Agree. 100% agree there. Yeah, I mean, she, she will be tested, but it's going to be in a com- more competitive field for a lot more money. Um, so, yeah, tough to back. So good luck this weekend, Dad. I know we we died dissected the shit out of this two races but you know, yeah no that's uh they, they the definitely some some prices in both so hopefully uh help our our listeners out as, as we did last week without a doubt in the matron and uh we've had a good tour arlington penn national santa anita uh next yep. week though uh head to the big time uh the belmont stakes festival i'm sure we'll talk about the belmont stakes huge guaranteed pools uh pick four of the manhattan the met mile uh, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll definitely have to carve up, carve out some time. I'll be up there, but we'll make something work. I'll look forward to it. Enjoy the weekend. All right, Danny Zucker, everyone from predictaform.com. You can go to predictaform.com uh, and get the the write up. Uh, I'm sensing he'll do the Shoemaker Mile, uh, but uh, we'll put the link in the description of the podcast. 
Uh, you can visit that at blogtalkradio.com slash twinspires, uh, predictiveform.com, daily free races, all that good stuff. Uh, bristnet.com slash Belmont has all the Belmont stakes information for next week. That's it for this week. We'll talk to you next week.